Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Criminalia, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to the third season of Criminalia. This season, we're exploring the lives and motivations of some of the most notorious imposters throughout history. I'm Maria Tremarchi. And I'm Holly Fry. The woman we're talking about today was born Princess Elizabeth Alexandra Mary Tudor on September 7, 1533. This may ring some bells for any history buffs in the crowd. She was the daughter of King Henry VIII and his second wife, who was Anne Boleyn. This episode is a little different from most of our other episodes this season. Instead of talking about the life of the imposter in the mix, we have to talk about the documented life story of this famed monarch before we delve into what is a persistent rumor of imposterism regarding her true identity. It was unlikely she would rule England, but she did ascend to the throne. Elizabeth had an older half-sister, Mary Tudor, who was the king's first child with his wife, Catherine of Aragon. Mary was the only one of Henry and Catherine's children who lived to adulthood. Elizabeth also had a younger half-brother named Edward. 
Edward wasn't just the king's first son. He was also considered to be the king's only legitimate son in the eyes of royalty. Edward was born to Jane Seymour, Henry's third wife. In 1536, when Elizabeth was three years old, her father, the king, had Parliament annul his marriage to his second wife, that was Elizabeth's mother, Anne, and then he ordered Anne to be beheaded, claiming it was because she did not give birth to a son during their marriage. Henry had always wanted a male heir who would replace him as king after his death, and there also was a little bit of a pinch of adultery and a little conspiracy thrown into this mix. Nothing is ever quite as clean or simple as it's usually stated in the (laughs) historical record. Generally very true with someone like Henry VIII. Henry and Anne's annulment meant that their marriage had never happened in the eyes of the church. And that meant that Elizabeth and her half-sister Mary were now considered to have been born out of wedlock. That meant that they were removed from the line of succession. So Edward would be king, and neither Mary nor Elizabeth would be crowned. Obviously, though... That rule didn't stick, or we'd be here talking about a totally different king or queen. It was later that a parliamentary act returned both Elizabeth and Mary's ability to ascend to the throne. After their father's death in 1547, it was Edward who was crowned king. He will be known from now on when we speak of him as King Edward VI. And when Edward died just six years into his reign, Mary and a cousin, Lady Jane Grey, were both in line for the throne. But before he died, Edward had appointed Lady Grey as his successor. Mary, who thought that she would be crowned, had something that Lady Jane did not, and that was the support of the people of England. It was popular opinion, true or not, that Mary unseated Grey after she had been on the throne for just nine days. Lady Jane was actually deposed by the royal council. She was found guilty of treason and sentenced to death, but... It was Mary who initially decided not to carry out that sentence on the 15-year-old. 15-year-old. The next year, though, Lady Jane's family was once again embroiled in an insurrection attempt, and Lady Jane was beheaded. Yeah, at that point, it was like, okay, this is a, you're being treasonous. We have to get rid of you. The bids for power are very dangerous. <laughs> it's dangerous to have a 15-year-old in power. As all of this is playing out, Elizabeth was under the care of her stepmother, Catherine Parr. Parr had hired tutors on Elizabeth's behalf. Most girls during this period of time did not really go to school or have much, if any, education. A lot of certainly poorer children, regardless of sex or gender, would not have had a lot of education. But even within the royals, the girls usually did not get a bunch. But Elizabeth, being a royal, did receive a formal education, even though she was a girl. And since she was young, she was known for being quite an intellectual, and it was said that she had, quote, an influential mind. At age 14, her curriculum included subjects such as mathematics, history, geography, and astronomy. Elizabeth also learned to play several musical instruments, and she loved to dance and ride horses and hunt. By the time she became queen, Elizabeth fluently spoke Greek, French, Italian, and Latin. But things were hardly idyllic staying with the Pars. Tension rose between Catherine Parr, Catherine's new husband, Thomas Seymour, and Elizabeth was removed from the Parr's home and sent back to the royal estate at Hatfield. This part of the story that we're about to tell is brief, but it includes exploitation of a minor, and it may be triggering or, or troublesome for some listeners. So if you need to, mute us for a minute or just jump ahead a little bit, and we'll meet you right back here. So here's the situation Elizabeth was in. 
Thomas Seymour may have, and likely did, have some sort of a relationship with Elizabeth. There are some stories that air kind of on the side of nothing inappropriate having happened between the two, but many other accounts tell a story of a young girl who was taken advantage of by an older man. Seymour's behavior really was inappropriate, though. It was said he entered her chambers very early in the morning, too, and we're going to quote this from several sources, wake her up. When the allegations were later investigated, Seymour was found guilty. He was sentenced and executed for conspiring to marry the princess in an effort to gain power. So we're going to take a break here for a word from our sponsor. And when we're back, we will talk about when Elizabeth became queen. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Listen, you listen to true crime podcasts. You know that the world can be dangerous and unpredictable and that there will unfortunately be people who want to hurt each other. And so it's kind of nice to get a little peace of mind by having a good home security system. Just take a few precautions. And I recommend looking at Simply Safe Home Security. I've had my home broken into in the past and it was a terrible feeling, even though nothing that bad really happened. Aside from an intruder, I just really like knowing that I have a security setup that lets me check in on my pets when I'm not home. That is a huge peace of mind giver when I am out traveling. Simply Safe sent me a whole home security system, and I was really, really impressed by the variety of indoor and outdoor cameras they offer. And the whole thing is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash criminalia. That's simplysafe, S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash criminalia. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Hey, everybody, it's Holly. Listen, I've been doing stuff on stage since I was a kid, which means that I have been doing my makeup since I was a kid. And I can turn out a look when I need to, but on my day to day, I really like to keep it a little more relaxed and low key. I don't have time for a full face most of the time. But that also means that Thrive Cosmetics can have me covered no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm doing something on stage, like I have an appearance or a live show, or I'm just running to the grocery store. Something in their line is perfect. And what I really love and what's important to me is that they are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And to me, cruelty-free is very important in the cosmetics I use. I mentioned that I've been doing my makeup for a long time. I've gotten older in that time. And one of the things that I've done to refresh my look is switch over to their brilliant eye brighteners and use something like a rose gold shade to really like go all around my eye and then just blend it out and get a daytime smoky look. It makes me look a little more youthful and more refreshed. And it's just easy as pie. And it means that I don't have to mess with a whole ton of products. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash that's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash Criminalia for 10% off your first order. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. 
Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Criminalia. Let's talk about why historians call Queen Elizabeth I's reign to be the golden age in English history. So Elizabeth, as we talked a little bit about earlier, was third in line to the British throne between her younger half-brother Edward and her older half-sister Mary. Because most of Europe at the time was primarily Catholic, Elizabeth was still considered by many to have been born out of wedlock. And all of this, plus the fact that she was a woman, made a lot of people feel that she was not fit to rule. After Edward's death, his older sister Mary ascended to the throne before Elizabeth did. But in 1554, a man named Thomas Wyatt organized a rebellion against Queen Mary I. It was in an effort to make Elizabeth the queen and to restore Protestantism as the official religion of England. When his plot was discovered, Mary ordered Elizabeth to be imprisoned in the Tower of London, believing that her sister supported multiple plots to remove her from power. One might consider the Tower punishment as retaliation. She went to the Tower in March of 1554 and was released in May of 1554. When Mary died in November of 1558, 25-year-old Elizabeth was crowned as Queen Elizabeth I. As we keep touching on, a lot of the public continued to believe that she should not be able to inherit the throne. Furthermore, Catholics, both in and out of the country, regarded Elizabeth's cousin, Mary Queen of Scots, who was a Catholic, as the rightful queen. When Elizabeth became queen, she quickly realized she had inherited a country that was vulnerable from attack and from poverty. In the mid to late 16th century, there was a deep divide and growing hostility between the Catholics and Protestants in England. Elizabeth herself was Protestant, but feigned to be Catholic when duty called for it. Queen Mary I had been Catholic, and under her reign, it's said that she ruled with an iron fist. Literally, she earned the nickname Bloody Mary. Catholic or Protestant, whatever religion you practiced was a divisive topic. Elizabeth and her half-brother Edward were raised Protestant, but as queen, Elizabeth's views on religion angered both the Protestants and the Catholics were not happy that she restored the country to Protestantism, and some Protestants just felt that she didn't go far enough. 
And then Elizabeth was excommunicated by Pope Pius V for her religious policies and practices in 1570. Ten years later, Pope Gregory XIII announced that killing Elizabeth was not a sin. There was a plot to assassinate her, maybe more than one plot. I just keep marveling. It's like, it's cool if you want to kill that lady. We don't like her. That's not (laughs) sinful. That's good. You could, God will forgive you. It's Elizabeth. Elizabeth's interest, though, was more about power and consolidating the power of the Protestant church under her than it was about the Catholics or the Protestants. She took a moderate approach to the religious conflict in England. Quote, there is one Jesus Christ, she would say. The rest is a dispute over trifles. A lot can happen when you rule a country for more than 44 years. Queen Elizabeth I was, and still is, remembered for a great many achievements, including the defeat of the Spanish Armada and the end of England's war with France. Despite all of her victories, her legacy remains that she was, we quote, the Virgin Queen. Elizabeth was also known for her red hair. As an adult, Elizabeth had what was described as a, quote, dazzling figure, and that when she was, quote, submerged in the jewels, brocade, and ornaments of her dress, she was more like a living icon than a human being. In addition to that striking red hair, you have probably heard that she also applied a thick white makeup on her face. But while the red hair was real, modern analysis of her portraits suggests that the paint that was used to create those works has actually faded over time. Her pale complexion in them was likely much rosier when the portraits were made. And this breaks with the long-standing belief among the public that she might have been concealing something under that makeup choice. The reality seems to be that Elizabeth only wore makeup during her later years, and it was quite pale. Yeah, I have seen claims that at some points it was as thick as an inch, which seems terrifying. <laughs> It's said that Elizabeth did have relationships and that she definitely did have many marriage proposals, including one from the infamous Ivan the Terrible. No one knows for certain if she actually was or was not a virgin queen, but there are two things that we know today. We know that she did fall in love with a man that she had previously known in childhood, and we know that she considered marriage as an undertaking that could and would jeopardize her authority and power as queen. She would often explain, quote, I have already joined myself in marriage to a husband, namely the Kingdom of England. Elizabeth's reputation, among other royals, was that she was shrewd. It really didn't matter because she was popular among the people of England. In 1587, adventurer and explorer Sir Walter Raleigh traveled North America from North Carolina to present-day Florida. He named the region that is now Virginia in honor of his virgin queen. As a historical aside, this is actually the same year that he sent the ill-fated second group of colonists to Roanoke. Yeah, Sir Walter Raleigh's life is a whole other parcel to unpack. Shortly thereafter, in August of 1588, military forces were assembled at Tilbury in Essex in preparation for an expected invasion by the Spanish Armada. And it was here that Queen Elizabeth I delivered the inspirational and famous speech known as the Speech to the Troops at Tilbury. And we quote from it probably her most famous line, I know I have the body of a weak and feeble woman, but I have the heart and stomach of a king and of a king of England too, she proclaimed. It is said that the troops shouted Gloriana in response, which means glory. 
Not too far later in 1590, the poet Edmund Spencer made Gloriana the heroine of his poem, The Fairy Queen. Under Elizabeth's reign, the arts really flourished. William Shakespeare's comedy, Love's Labor's Lost, was performed at the royal court on Christmas in 1597. Paintings to demonstrate devotion to the queen were commissioned. Actually, many paintings were commissioned. And many of those long galleries in Elizabethan country homes acted as a gallery just for her portraits. We're going to take a quick break here for a word from a sponsor. And when we're back, we will finally talk about a rumor and conspiracy and possible imposter related to Elizabeth. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with dust-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com, that's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Welcome back to Criminalia. Let's talk about the rumor that Queen Elizabeth I was actually a man. 
Finally, let's get to the story for real, real. We're going to talk about lookalikes. So lookalikes or decoys are sometimes chosen because they have an uncanny resemblance to the person that they impersonate. This would be a sanctioned impersonation. Right. <laughs> so in this case, this is someone who has to conceal their identity and be good at deception on behalf of the person that they have been asked to impersonate. And they learn how to speak and act like the person that they're pretending to be, including all of those small mannerisms that all of us have. Sometimes they're used as a way of confusing an enemy about someone's movements. But there are actually many types of decoys. Some decoys might be, say, like a stuntman or a stand-in for, say, Owen Wilson's butt, which, by the way, I read that he used. <laughs> this is information that people need. I think so. It's fact. <laughs> <laughs> decoys are also popular among politicians. Joe R. Reeder, an undersecretary for the U.S. Army from 1993 to 1997, has gone on record that a number of political figures around the world have used decoys, including Fidel Castro, George W. Bush, and Osama bin Laden. Ella Slack, for instance, spent 30 years being a stand-in during rehearsals for televised royal engagements on behalf of Queen Elizabeth II. When it comes to, say, a crazy tale of imposters, though, this political decoy was it. This was a child and this was a boy. And there was a rumor turned myth during Elizabeth's reign that tempted many people to believe that their queen was actually a man. This particular tale begins with young Elizabeth, who was a princess at the moment that we're now discussing, staying in the village of Bisley. At this point, the bubonic plague was raging in London, and the idea was to move Elizabeth to a safer place, a place away from the city and that rampaging plague. But during her time in Bisley, Elizabeth did, it was believed, contract an illness. Perhaps it was plague, but maybe not. And the rumor was that she died at age 10 from that illness. There's a strange yet interesting twist to this strange yet interesting story. Afraid of how Elizabeth's father, the king, would react, her governess, Lady Cat Ashley, and her guardian, Sir Thomas Perry, decided to fix the problem by doing, of course, what anyone would do. They planned to swap a local child for the deceased princess, and no one they expected would ever notice their deception. I like how one of the greatest historical rumors ever known is very similar to parents swapping the goldfish, <laughs> except obviously on a much grander scale because it's someone's child, right? so it's preposterous. I didn't see anything in our research about what the parents <laughs> thought about this. I don't know what happened. However, the pair ran into a bit of snag about that decoy's appearance. Elizabeth, we know, had flame red hair. We talked about it earlier. And there were no girls in Bisley with red hair or a similar body type as Elizabeth. But there was one person who did fit her description, at least mostly. But that person was a boy named Neville. Aside, though, from the fact that the child was a boy named Neville, there was another problem. Neville didn't have red hair. Lady Ashley and Sir Perry fixed that problem with, of course, a wig. They cleaned him up and dressed him in Elizabeth's clothing. And as the rumor continues, amazingly, their ruse worked. Not only, it was said, did Neville fool Elizabeth's father, the king he fooled. Neville was the one who also inherited the throne as Elizabeth. Men of the time, royal or not, had wondered if a woman in power was an actual problem or a bluff. 
Elizabeth was a princess then and not yet crowned, but in general, a woman in a position of authority just did not sit right with a lot of people in the country. But for most people, this deception was not really about politics. This decoy story explained a few things the public had always wondered about. Why didn't their Queen Marion have children, for instance? And to those myth believers, because she always wore a wig, she actually was never seen without one. Clearly, that wig was used to turn Elizabeth's decoy into a redhead. And she expressly forbid that an autopsy be performed on her body. If you put all this together, the public were really taken in that the queen must be a man in disguise. Lady Ashley and Sir Perry were in on the whole thing, the legend goes. In reality, though, Elizabeth, the real Elizabeth, retained a very close relationship with both throughout her life. Yeah, some people have suggested that that was evidence that Neville had to keep them close because because they were keeping the secret. Right? They'll tell the real story. (laughs) The tale of the imposter really got a lot of attention of more than just the gossiping men in London (laughs) and in a, a much more recent instance. So author Bram Stoker in 1910 wrote what he said was a nonfiction book called Famous Imposters. And his book included real pretenders, some that we've talked about on the show, like Perkin Warbeck and Princess Olive, who we will be talking about this season. And also included in Stoker's book was the story of what's colloquially come to be known as the Bisley Boy. Although it first appears in modern print in this book, it was probably a story that had been told 300 years earlier and had clearly persisted enough that Bram Stoker was able to find evidence for it to put into his work. But its inclusion really ignited the power of this myth. Was this story a work of fiction or was it real? Stoker had enticed people into thinking it had to be real because this was, after all, a nonfiction book. And yes, this is the same Bram Stoker who wrote Dracula. He was known to weave real life details into his fiction. It was part of what made the Dracula story so popular in its time. And it captured the imagination of readers as something that might be real, like actually real. Yeah, he was very good at doing a lot of research and then subbing out subtle things. Adding in some extra. So people would be like, I know that ship. (laughs) I remember hearing about that ship. That was real. Well, it was, but not in the way that it played out here. And it was, uh, I could talk a lot about Bram Stoker. Today, historians have discredited this Bisley Boy story as a myth and confirmed that Elizabeth was never impersonated by anyone named Neville from Bisley or otherwise. When she died on March 24th, 1603, Elizabeth's death ended the Tudor period. Throughout her reign, she had been known as the Virgin Queen, Good Queen Bess. Bess, in case you did not know, is sometimes a nickname for Elizabeth. And Gloriana, a nickname we talked about earlier. But she spoke of herself as, quote, a queen in a man's world. Without an heir, she chose James VI of Scotland, who was the son of Mary, Queen of Scots, not to be confused with Mary I, who was Elizabeth's half-sister, to inherit the throne. And so James became the first king of the Stuart dynasty as King James I, thus starting a whole other history chunk. If you think of it like an organizational chart, there's so many different branches on this. Hey, we could talk about this for a week and this week. <laughs> So, Elizabeth I's cocktail, excuse me, mocktail, cocktail, what season are we in? Oh, it's time for a cocktail. Um, 
So this one got me thinking a lot because I do love me some history and Elizabeth yes. the first is very fascinating to me. I started thinking a lot about the term mask of youth, which is often used in relation to Elizabeth. It's used to describe Elizabeth's constant portrayal as young and very healthy and vibrant in art throughout her life. Mm -hmm. In 1594, idealized portrait rule was instituted and it actually <laughs> became illegal to depict the queen in any way that might give offense, including depicting her as aging. This is sometimes pointed to as proof that she was vain, but that could have been part of it. But really, and more importantly, it was about representing her and as a consequence, the country as young and strong. It was like about her as a leader and being like, no, I am, I am a young single woman who is married only to my work. Right. And that is protecting and caring for this country. And so it was really more of a form of portrait propaganda. Even the famed rainbow portrait, which is my favorite portrait of her, in part because there's some bananas, wonderful mm -hmm. imagery on there. That's the one for anybody who doesn't recall it offhand, but you've probably seen it. She's holding a rainbow, which is why it's called that. But moreover, her gown is this amber color and it yes. has eyeballs and ears <laughs> embroidered all over it. It's really beautiful. It really I is. love it. But that portrait was painted just a few years before she died at age 69. But she looks very young and vibrant in that painting, for sure. Right. I was reading during research. She was very good at public relations and propaganda. So this all mm. makes sense. Yeah, that's another one of the things that people have sometimes held up as proof of this myth, this rumor. Right. Like, oh, she was so careful about managing her image because she didn't want people to realize, like... She's a boy. That she had a more masculine <laughs> jawline or whatever. And it's like, no, she was... There's a whole other thing going on here, people. She literally just wants everyone to think she's strong forever. Right. Thinking about all of this and this mask of youth and the fact that we mentioned earlier in the show about the portraits of her, really, we've learned, had more of a blush to them. I wanted to come up with a blushy-looking drink that's called the Mask of Youth. This also, I wanted to give a little nod to libations of the time. So it actually starts with honey, which is often mixed into wines and whatnot as a, a starter for mead. And so it starts with a tablespoon of honey. And then to that, you're going to add a half ounce of lemon juice. And you want to mix this together pretty carefully because honey is a little bit tricky to dissolve. So mm -hmm. just stir it for a bit. Let the lemon juice break it down a little bit. At this point, you don't want to put any ice in the mix at all because that will slow that breakdown of sugar make it more like a slow molasses and become very frustrating. We don't want that. No. So once you have the honey and lemon juice mixed together, you're going to add an ounce of maraschino cherry juice. You know I love the maraschino cherry. Right. And you're going to keep stirring that together. Again, I, I don't incorporate ice at all at any of this until the pour over because of that honey in there. Then you will pour that into your glass, which is good to have pre-chilled. You can even have a bit of ice in there. And then you're going to top it with ginger ale and garnish it with a maraschino cherry if you wish. But it's this very peachy pink color. The blush on a very pale cheek would be like Elizabeth's. It is very refreshing and delicious. I like to put it in kind of a round or a squared off version of a Nick and Nora glass, which people <laughs> sometimes mistake for like a mini wine glass, but really it's an alternative to a martini glass. And it looks a little like a goblet. So that's another nod to the time period. <laughs> So delicious. I made three of them while I was getting ready to record because they're so yummy. If you want to do an alcoholic version, this is also very yummy. You're not going to use that maraschino cherry juice. You're going to use cherry liqueur oh. instead. And then you're going to add a half ounce of vodka. And if you want to do a vanilla or a whipped vodka there, it's very yummy. It tastes like whipped cream or like marshmallowy. 
I love a little whipped vodka. This version, because the cherry liqueur usually is a little bit more towards a brown color than that bright mm-hmm. red of a, a maraschino, you're going to get more of an amber color, which to me seemed appropriate because it mirrors the color of the rainbow portrait gown when she was very adult, whether she was admitting it or not. <laughs> <laughs> so that is called the mask of youth. That is also not obviously quite as sweet, even if you use a sweet vodka. Mm-hmm. It's not maraschino cherry juice. It's just not quite as sugar-coated, even with the honey involved. Both very yummy. I hope people try them and enjoy them, because I sure did. (laughs) I sure will. (laughs) The mocktail version is very much like the kind of thing that would be a great punch for a party. The bubbles make it super fun, and the color is really pretty. It's just a nice, bright soft flavor. I also used a sugar-free ginger ale in mine, which made it not heavy at all, Mm -hmm. which was very nice. Anyway, it's like a mock-up of a champagne cocktail (laughs) at that point. That is The Mask of Youth. Uh, I'm going to go make another after we finish. (laughs) Thank you so much for spending time with us today. We will be right back here next week, and we hope you join us for another imposter and more libations. Criminalia is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, please visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com, that's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.